We present A Dog's Life, a true story by John Nevinson, read by Jane Pulford. My name is Lady, and I'm a young Pomeranian dog. I've just had quite an adventure out in the cold Atlantic Ocean with my mistress, whose name is Margaret Hayes. Now that we are settled comfortably back at our apartment near Central Park in New York, I can relax and tell you my tale. My mistress and two of her friends, Olive and Lily, had been on holiday in Europe, and we were returning home to New York. In 1912, the only way to travel over the Atlantic Ocean was by sea, so the three young ladies joined our ship at Cherbourg in France. They were excited because the ship had crossed the English Channel from Southampton and was starting out on its maiden voyage to America. Our ship was the White Star liner Titanic. She was the biggest ship in the world and people felt safe on board because everyone said she was unsinkable. I was really only just growing out of being a puppy, so my mistress did not want to have me sleeping down in the kennels with the other older dogs and she was allowed to keep me with her in her cabin. We Pomeranians are friendly dogs, but we need to be with our owners all the time and we get very upset if we are separated. I'm sure it was much cosier in my mistress' cabin than down below. Mr Astor, the millionaire, had his Airedale called Kitty in the kennels and another New York family called Harper had its Fox Terrier there too. But I was snug and warm in cabin C-54. There is another Pomeranian dog on board too, belonging to a rich woman called Mrs Rothschild. My mistress took me walking along the decks most days, although sometimes she would get our steward to exercise me. And when she was chatting to some passengers one afternoon, she heard about other pets on board. Apart from about a dozen dogs, someone had got their canary, and apparently one lady had even brought her pet pig. When we went to our cabin after dinner on the Sunday night, my mistress Margaret and I were excited because there was going to be a dog show for the first-class passengers on the Monday morning. Olive, Lily and Margaret were sure I would win, and I heard them with their plans. Pomeranians, like me, are called toy dogs because we are so small. I'm only three kilograms in weight and 20 centimetres tall. I have a rich, fluffy coat, which is sort of creamy orangey colour with a fringe of feathery fur in my hindquarters. My coat can tangle easily, so I need a good grooming every day. My mistress and her friends talked about the dog show, and I knew that they intended to comb me and put a fancy ribbon on my collar. On that Sunday evening, we had hardly gone to bed when the ship gave a slight shudder. A little while later, we heard voices in the corridors and realised that the Titanic's engines had stopped. Our steward knocked on the door and said that my mistress should put on some warm clothes with her life jacket over them and go up to the lifeboat deck. She was doing this when Lily and Olive knocked on the cabin door. They helped my mistress wrap me up in a blanket and they closed the door behind them, little knowing that they would never enter that cabin again. They followed the crowd up to the lifeboats. We noticed how the boat deck was tilting slightly. People were complaining that it was silly to get into tiny lifeboats when this giant ship was much safer. Titanic was the sixth of a mile long and as high as an 11-storey building, and these little boats held just 60 people and had to be lowered over 10 metres into the icy cold ocean. However, another passenger called Mr Tucker told us we should go. If the problem with the ship was solved, he said, then we could always come back on board.
So as the decks got more crowded and noisy, the steam was shrieking from the big valves on the four huge funnels, Mr Tucker walked us to the lifeboat number seven. He spoke to a sailor who helped us into the white painted wooden boat. He looked at me, wrapped up in my mistress's blanket and cosy in her arms and smiled. Slowly the boat swung out and then gently dropped past the lower decks towards the water. We saw people running along corridors and felt that things were starting to get a bit scary for them. We reached the water gently and began to row away from the Titanic. Only as we moved away could we see that her bow was dipping under the water. Soon we saw her propellers come into view as her stern started to lift. I will never forget the next hour or so. Other lifeboats were launched, but so many seemed, like ours, to be only half full. And then after two o'clock, the Titanic swung higher into the night sky, her bow disappearing into the water. Then it became a nightmare, which Margaret, Lily, Olive and I could barely watch. Our giant ship split in two. Funnels fell into the sea, and we saw people jumping like little ants into the ocean. Then with a roar, as everything inside the ship broke free, she disappeared under the water. At first we could hear the screams and shouts of people thrashing about in the water, but it soon ended. The ocean was so cold nobody could survive for very long. In the boats we too were freezing, teeth chattered and feet turned to ice. I was huddled up inside my mistress's coat. She was keeping me warm, and I liked to think I was doing the same for her, like a little doggy kind of heater. About an hour later, we saw rockets in the sky. It was another ship, so two women took matches from the crewman who was in charge and lit their big hats and waved them. Just as the dawn was in the sky, the Carpathia arrived and soon we were scrambling up ladders onto the rescue ship. Captain Rostron had planned things well and some of his passengers gave us clothes and offered their cabins. I noticed Mrs Rothschild with her dog, so two Pomeranians had survived the sinking of the Titanic. I heard later that a big, strong, tough Newfoundland dog called Ryger had paddled in the icy water for hours alongside another lifeboat which contained his master. Two days later, we were in New York, home and dry, but so shocked and shaken. But that was not the end of my mistress's story, or mine. On the Carpathia, there were two little French boys from the Titanic. Their father had put them into a lifeboat to save their lives, but he was not allowed to join them and drowned. The boys could not speak English, only French, but my mistress Margaret could speak French well, so she looked after them on the Carpathia. You know, I cannot understand French either, but I spoke my own doggy language of yelping and barking growling to cheer the lads up and rolled my big brown eyes. When we got to New York, the boys stayed with us. The newspaper headlines called them the Titanic orphans. Then one day, my mistress became very excited. The boy's mother was coming over from Paris to collect them. She had seen their photographs in the paper. And when she arrived, what an amazing story she had to tell. She did not even know her husband and sons were on the Titanic. Her husband had decided secretly to leave her. He told her he was taking the lads away for a holiday in France but really he went to Cherbourg and booked himself and the boys onto the Titanic under a false name. In fact, he was kidnapping them and intended to stay in America where his wife would never find him.
so the French lady took her boys home. And at last, my mistress and I have settled down to our ordinary life in New York. We visit Olive and Lily, we go to fashion shows, we play cards with other ladies. We are members of a flower-arranging class. We attend musical evenings, and I watch my mistress when she does her watercolour paintings. And we like to go walking near our apartment in Central Park, through the tall trees, and see the wild animals in the zoo. But if we are near the boating lake, and we suddenly hear splashes and screams and shouting, well, that terrible April night suddenly jumps from the back of our memories to the front of our mind, and my mistress picks me up and hugs me close, just like she did in lifeboat number seven on that terrible night. <laughs> 